This is Cinema Roundtable. My name's Jake, and again, I'm joined by Jared. I am here. And Erica. <laughs> I am also here. <laughs> I, I only say that just because I'm kind of flying by the seat of my pants on like very little sleep. So this uh, this will be interesting to see where my uh, opinions fall. So when I get into like a five star review of Cocaine Bear, just know it's like from a Spoilers. few states. Spoiler yeah, yeah. alert for <laughs> Cocaine Bear. Uh, yeah, we're we just had kind of the the big up of. Uh, in the movie world of of the Oscars and our top 10 lists and everything like that. And what better way to get back into the swing of things than talking about Scream 6 and Cocaine Bear. So We, we are covering films that will not be Oscar nominated. You know what? They had their time. time. I was going to say, although Cocaine Bear had a major presence at the Oscars already. It did. So, oh, okay. uh, Elizabeth uh, Banks was there uh, presenting with the Cocaine Bear. With the Bear. Cocaine Bear. I, nice. think, I don't know if I've seen a movie with quite as much viral marketing mm. in a while as Cocaine Bear. Um, but we can get into that later. Sure. Our featured film actually tonight is Scream 6. So we're going to be uh, covering that. We were actually going to sh- do an episode about Cocaine Bear, but then some time went by, so we decided to pivot. But we still we will still be covering Cocaine Bear for a bit. Um, but we're going to start off with a few other... Um, films that we've seen. And in typical Us fashion, uh, we're talking about a bunch of horror movies. (laughs) Um, But you know what? It's the beginning of the year, and I feel like horror movies tend to be the things that get released at the beginning because they're kind of dumping them. So At the same time, I mean, if anything shows from this year already, horror is the tried and true, the one genre that is consistently delivering for audiences and at the box office. So yeah, I'm here for it. It's it's you can make effective movies for pretty cheap in comparison to really any other genre, and they always tend to make a good profit. Mm-hmm. I mean, Erica knows about that probably more than anyone. Oh, yeah. being involved with productions of <laughs> horror movies though too. Um, but why don't we have you? Start us off with the new Brandon Cronenberg film, uh, Infinity Pool. Okay, so yeah, this is um, this came out late in January. Um, It's I thought it was this very cool, you know, mean spirited, thought provoking film. I would probably want to see it again to really sink my teeth into some of the things that are going on because it also gets very confusing in certain uh, ways. But a lot of it is about um, the sort of like decadent lifestyle of wealthy people and also how rich people ruin everything, including small countries that are popular tourist spots. Um, That's never happened before in the history of the world, right? Right. Never, never. That's like, it's total science fiction. You can't imagine that happening. Um, <laughs> uh, one thing that's kind of like, uh, without getting into you know, spoilers, there's, there's this idea that if you commit a crime in this fictional country, um, either you can be executed or because they have some developed technology, they can make basically a clone or doppelganger of you and execute that instead, but it will have all of your memories. So like by the end of the film, you don't know if the lead character is his himself, if, if, if he's still his original self or it's a, a copy of a copy of a copy kind of situation they they it's like they never really that's kind of makes answer this <laughs> spoilers to another movie but it kind of makes me think of annihilation mm, type sure. of thing yeah uh where that's kind of the the whole 
hook at the end of that film is who are we actually talking mm-hmm. to type of thing. And I think that can be effective if it's done in the right way and makes it actually believable and not being reliant on it necessarily. Um, we were talking a little bit before the recording about the Cronenberg family mm-hmm. a little bit. And um, why don't you share kind of your opinion on Brandon? You oh, Well, lately I think he's uh, making cooler films than his dad is currently. I mean, I did like Crimes of the Future, but a lot of David Cronenberg's other recent-ish films were just – I think, I, like I said, in that the top ten, you know, our top ten list recording for last year, like he did a bunch of films that were just boring and pretentious. I was like, I don't care about any of these. So, at least Crimes of the Future was sort of a, a return to form in terms of the body horror you know, stuff that he became famous for. But I, I am preferring Brandon Cronenberg's films. Have you in seen general. either of his two? No, actually, this? I, I, I'm, I'm not overly uh, familiar with Brandon Cronenberg other than knowing his uh, lineage and being Fair. awfully familiar with his dad uh, David's mm-hmm. films which you know especially a lot of his earlier stuff I'm a big fan of mm-hmm. so haven't uh, dove into the Cronenberg uh, comma Brandon pool yet yeah I, I, <laughs> it's nice um, yeah I would say like I don't know I adore antiviral like I highly recommend that one. I thought Possessor was good. I was kind of distracted when I watched it. I kind of need to revisit that one. But um, Antiviral is like one of my favorite, you know, films. So that would be the one you would so. maybe like recommend if anybody is looking to see what uh, the next generation yeah, is all absolutely. about. And that one, it it's uh, very satirical about uh, celebrity obsessed culture. And uh, treating celebrities as literal commodities and mm-hmm. consumable goods and on many different levels. <laughs> it, it sounds like – and I know that, that David played into this as well. But like the social commentary aspect of both that and Possessor and uh, – and I haven't seen Infinity Pool yet, but also that – I, I I wouldn't call them subtle necessarily. No, not not super subtle. But I guess if you're if you're gonna have a, it, it's nice to have a point regardless. Yeah. I guess, but, but not yeah. as ham fisted yeah. as M Night Shyamalan's old or you know, like or, later yeah. day George Romero. I don't know if that's true. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, I could see that. But yeah. so right, you know, can... like as we're getting to the this next generation of. Uh, horror art uh, tours and everything like they're hitting their threes like where would uh you know like with jordan peele with now we've got get out us and nope and ranking those where would uh where would uh infinity pool rank in mm. cronenberg's young oh, filmography uh i'd put it like it'd be my second favorite i'd have to right. pick uh, antiviral as my favorite all right okay um is this on anything right now um other than Probably spending almost like full, you know, rental price through maybe Amazon. But it's probably still like twenty dollars to rent. I'm guessing. I think it's I, still there. I think I might have actually seen that it is that it has dropped. Oh, that's good. Um, to like seven dollars or something that's like that. Reasonable. I, yeah. I cannot abide twenty dollars streaming uh, rental fees. It's like no, that's way too uh, much. Six dollars right now. All right. So. Yeah. Not that big of a of a rental. You're getting back to the brick and mortar prices we used to pay for new mm-hmm. I'm just ready for the red box to release it. Yeah. <laughs> Got a shout out to the red box in this episode. It's been a while. I, I definitely used 
red box for the Oscars though. Oh, nice. oh really? Yep. I got to see I watched Fablemans in the red box. All right, yeah. Cool. And some other I can't remember one other one we rented mm. that was I mean nice. Yeah. It's cheap. I'm gonna say as much as I like don't care about the Oscars, I was happy to hear that everything everywhere all at once won so many awards. And I thought that was pretty an darn movie. dominant uh uh movie for the night and in recent years really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean once once I think uh, Jamie Lee won early, I was like, okay, there's going to be some momentum here. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then it just kept going and going. And I think there were certain ones that people anticipated it to win, but it started yeah. to pick up the ones that it was kind of a mixed bag too. And so there's that. But but anyway, this isn't about everything everywhere all, in, all at once. Uh, <laughs> Infinity Pool, um, a decent recommendation. Absolutely. I would say. Um, well, we'll, we can move on then. Uh, to Jared, he's gonna talk about Mathrigan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just calling. I, I'm just calling Megan. But yeah, no. Megan. <clears throat> this segment yes. is uh, wholly sponsored by uh, Peacock Streaming Services because <laughs> I bought their Black Friday deal back in November, so I've got a full year for all of twenty dollars. Nice. That is how I saw. Yeah, M3 Gen, whatever. <laughs> uh, and I did get access to the unrated cut. So oh, nice. That okay. is on yeah, the streaming helps. service. Also. Just uh, to back up to the Oscars a bit, the last Oscar movie I snuck in the night of, because I could with my family involved, I saw uh, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, and that was awesome. I really, really liked that movie. That was one that we caught also right before the Oscars (laughs) and thoroughly enjoyed it. So Available streaming exclusively on Peacock. (laughs) So, I yeah, I I was pretty excited to watch Megan simply for the fact I had, you know, access to it and we had this unrated cut so I didn't see the uh, theatrical rated cut and uh, yeah it had really strong reviews going into it and for the most part I think I can see why um, satire in general doesn't always like land with me just because like I feel like it can be a really hard tone to strike mm-hmm. but this they had a really game cast and you know, it's about Allison Williams' character. She, you know, works at this company, and she has developed this breakthrough AI robot doll called Megan that is basically everything you could want, if not truly fear, in an AI robot that's meant for kids. And the satire really worked for me with her boss, played by Ronnie Chang, if you're familiar with him as the comedian. Because, like, when he sees this and he, like, is 100% behind it and is wanting to get this out in the world, when you see him in a company promo uh, talking about the effects that this had, um, saying, you know, like, if Megan can do wonders for a girl like Katie who, you know, spoiler alert, early on suffers a mega tragedy, he says, if Megan can do wonders for a girl like Katie, imagine what it can do for a kid who doesn't have dead parents. (laughs) And to spoilers, I was gonna say, so (laughs) that's I mean, that's the catalyst for the very beginning of the film that gets things going, anyways. Um, but as far as like the the plot machinations of the movie itself, I guess I was a little underwhelmed by because still, for a horror movie, it's super telegraphed for the most part. You know, we uh, get introduced to Allison Williams' character's world, uh, very early on with a feud with a neighbor with a perfectly broken hole in the fence that nobody's bothered to fix where a dog gets through and then, you know, annoys the crap out of her regularly. So it's like, all right, well, I'm just going to start penciling in the victim list here. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for the most, you know, it's not reinventing the wheel. 
It's got, you know, Uber producer James Wan behind it. Ooh. And Jason Blum, I think, and yeah, attached I to think it as so. well. So it's got, you know, it's got the the cred behind the camera majorly. And for the most part, the only character I really liked was Megan. Because yeah. <laughs> I think a I, lot of people probably yeah. feel that way. And you know, when you're just when before you're, or after the dance scene, dude, that you know, <laughs> the dance scene is uh, good. But. On Peacock, they like promo this movie with that, and having like only seen vague trailers, you know, previously <laughs> seeing that, I was like, okay, I really got to know what this movie is about because <laughs> I don't know where it's coming from. But uh, yeah, so you know, Allison Williams' character, she creates Megan, and super early on she's like hostile towards it as she sees like the error of her ways and what she has possibly wrought unto this world and it's i don't know there's so many question questions and questionable actions and motivations but it's it's decently made it's got some fun bits in it and uh like i said you know the satire worked a little more strongly for me here than it did in, you know, another movie we might mention here shortly. <laughs> so. uh, I, I will say that I noticed that this is written by the same writer that wrote Malignant. So <laughs> did, not does, nearly as bonkers, wow. which I was, I'm kind of surprised. Congratulations really. for them for coming back down to earth. So, yeah, yeah right. it's it's screenplay um, by Michaela Cooper, and then the story is Michaela Cooper and James Wan. Mm. So, I mean, that, yeah. And then I think I think Malignant <clears throat> also had another uh, story. Wife. I was his wife, yeah, yeah who his plays wife. the James Wan's wife, the yeah. like uh, investigator, like she's a crime scene investigator mm. or whatever. But <laughs> yeah, so I think is is Malignant also a Blumhouse produced film mm. or I don't, I don't remember. Know. I can't remember. Was. I think I think it's Universal. We'll get back to you on but that. It, yeah. Either way, they've definitely kind of built a formula i think for what will work because some other fun facts i wanted to share with you currently this has a 93 percent on rotten tomatoes 76 percent or 78 percent on rotten or on uh audience score mm. it has a 12 million dollar budget it made 175.1 million dollars and they've already green lit Yes, already greenlit the sequel. So M three again two Yes, which is supposed to be released in twenty twenty five. So they must actually be wanting to, uh, put a little bit of time into the script. I will say one other thing that I com- uh will commend this movie for is I saw an interview with Allison Williams where she talked about the different um, ways that they made Megan the character. And how it's a combination of uh, a a dummy, a what is, I think it's like a dummy, a mannequin, and a girl in a mask. Mm-hmm. And so, depending on the different whatever capabilities mm-hmm. they need, uh, they use this. Like the dance scene, for example, is the girl in the mask. And now that I know this, seeing that scene, you can kind of see where the mask is. But yeah. it's fine. If you weren't looking for it, then the effects for the most part are are not bad. You know, it's definitely up there. It's it's good quality. You know, not to say anything of uh, another movie we'll be talking about here shortly. <laughs> we just keep we keep we we're... just dance around the fact this is just That's, a tease. That is totally fine. Anything else you'd like to share? About uh, Jason Megan? Blum was not involved with Malignant, okay. So he saw how crazy it was, and he was like, "I want a piece I of need to be that." On, I need to be on that crazy train. Yes. Uh, is I assume 
or what is this on, right? Is this on anything right now? Uh, Megan? Yes. Yeah, it's Peacock. Or Peacock. Yeah, you yeah. said Peacock. That's right. Yeah, no, we can, say, we can say Peacock as often as we want if we get uh, sponsorship. So that's, <laughs> great. that's That's the whole point, right? Sadly, you say is... it as many as you can. Is the is the unedited or the. Yeah, both, both, both versions are still are on, on there. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know if it was going to be like a here's the release right when it comes out type of thing and then right. drop it yeah. off the. Thing, but okay, so check it out. I don't think Bo and Stefan ever had a peacock related. I don't think so. Yeah, whatever. I recall. We'll think about it for next episode. But if you (laughs) would like to watch Megan, it's on Peacock. Yeah. Um, and we can move on to my featured film or my featured film, uh, (laughs) is the the TikTok viral sensation skinamarink <laughs> this is a movie that you know has kind of been out there for a little bit i got a text from my nephew last year saying have you seen skinamarink and i'm like <laughs> no and he's like i don't know how it how it makes me feel i i kind of had that reaction i haven't as well. seen it so it's been building up and i just i have not seen this yet so it's a very interesting film in its marketing in that it blew up on TikTok before it was even released. <laughs> it like, I, I know that people were kind of like stealing it online yeah. and we're seeing it that way. And it got all this press primarily on TikTok. By the which, way, I'm not incriminating my nephew at all for seeing it illegally. <laughs> so there were probably some legal ways to see the film. Uh, I um, saw it at Alamo draft house. Oh, when it nice. Yeah. Draft house did a, did a release of it and then shutter picked it up and yep. now it is streaming on shutter, which is where I watched it. Um, but the, the brief synopsis of it is two children wake up in the middle of the night to find that their father is missing and all the windows and doors in their home have vanished. Now, I've heard this movie called Pretentious. I've heard it called Boring. <laughs> and I've also heard it called A Nightmare. And I'll I think that it could that be said that all of those things are somewhat true. Somewhat somewhat true. <laughs> um, Does it waver more in one direction or the other for you? I would say that even though I didn't love this film, I do. I was thinking about it mm-hmm. afterwards, and the more I sat with it, the more I appreciated the time to- or the the style that this film goes for, and what they kind of the atmosphere that it was trying to to provoke. Because this movie, if you've never heard of it before, it's basically two children the entire movie and the house is almost pitch black the entire time the mm-hmm. only real light that you see is from a television screen that is looping like 1930s cartoons basically hmm. and that's and there's like a nightlight and some flashlight stuff but not much but for um, the most part it's it's dark and it's them whispering pretty much the whole time the the sound quality is so bad that even though it's in english they sometimes put english subtitles at the bottom of the screen just so you can tell and it also it also with the sound design is there's like a vinyl that kind of scratchy sound like that burn sound almost going on in the whole time which makes sense considering visually it's just full of static it's like very low res uh digital or some of it looks like it's shot on vhs almost Mm -hmm. and uh director kyle edward ball had a i read online that he had a blog or like a public forum or something where people were sending him their nightmares 
basically. Okay. <laughs> and he was using the the vibe that he was getting from these people to mm-hmm. put that into the film. Now, there's not a ton of plot in this in this movie. It, it's mainly just the kids are trying to figure out where their parents are. Um, and there's a presence in the house that is talking to them. It sometimes is their dad. Sometimes it's their mom. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's neither, but it's never really revealed. There are no faces. Yeah, I was about to say, like, just the, the whole... Um the whole style of this and like the way the shots are composed is just very odd. And I like, I was off put by it part of the time. So let me put it this way. This movie is like close to two hours, I think. Yeah. Um, it's like 110 minutes or yeah, something like that. So, so if you are excited to watch a roughly 110 minute long movie that just has shots of people's feet walking by, not in a fetishistic Tarantino kind of way, but you know, some kids feet, some adults feet, um, Maybe the top of a lampshade, maybe some table legs, and then just like leave it pointed in those weird places or at like the upper corner of a room. This movie is for you. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> preys on the their this shot is sitting here for too long. Mm-hmm. Something is going to happen, type right. of thing. So yeah, and I, most of the time, nothing happens. Oh gosh. But I think that that <laughs> builds to does, when something does happen. <laughs> It, it hits you a little bit harder. Yeah, because then you're already, like, been waiting, waiting, and mm-hmm. then, yeah, it's like the few times the stuff happens and it, you're more paranoid. And, and the movie isn't, like, violent. There's some violent things that there's really just one violent thing that happens in it, and, but and you don't even implied. see it. It's, it's implied. It's camera as So usual. <laughs> it's like a pretty tame movie overall, but it's just all atmosphere. It's all... Um, just anticipation. It's one of those. Yeah, it's we had our um, we had our vacuum cleaner at the end of our hallway, <laughs> and the lights were turned off. And that's the type of fear that I think <laughs> this type of movie preys on. Is the I stand up from my couch, I look down my hallway, and there's this figure at the end of the hallway type of thing. And you're uh-huh. like, oh, it's just the just the <laughs> vacuum cleaner, right? But the fact that something like that can actually sit with you means that it is effective. It's definitely not for everyone, mm. um, but it you can definitely see that the director had a vision with this and I think did it pretty much as well as you could. Um, mm-hmm. This is based on a short film um, called Heck. Um, <laughs> so if you're if you want to maybe try it, it's only I think like 20 minutes or something like that, maybe to see a taste of it. And then if you like it, move on to the actual feature film. Um, you can do that. But like I said, this is on Shutter. Um, so, yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in, again, it's it's shot like a movie. This isn't found footage or anything no. like that. No. Okay. At times, it almost feels like a found footage movie in the way that the camera just like – It's just in some It's weird just place. in some yeah. weird thing like in the horror movies when the guy drops the camera and it's just like – up staring right. at the ceiling or something like that but no it is it's just shot that way so yeah. as you were describing it you know i just think about you know what we got indoctrinated into as a culture way back in the uh late aughts with like paranormal activity where you know shots would just hold for mm-hmm. a long time I and mean, you know something's gonna happen eventually somewhere on frame and you're searching 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 but mm-hmm. i've seen nary a frame 
of this movie other than it's like cover image mm-hmm. and no it's a central plot so i'm still pretty interested to hearing its runtime at 110 I also think, yeah interests like me cuz of... i'm like with its premise not saying it's a thin premise but I'm impressed, I guess, that he got that much mileage out of it. Everything is long, though. It is. Like, okay. every sequence is long because hmm. it's ramp- ramping up the tension. Like, no sense of di- or thing of dialogue between any of the characters snaps back and forth. Right. It's someone says something in, like, long, multiple seconds pause, silence. and then someone will say something. Um, I looked it up. It is, it's, a, it's just 100 minutes. Uh, so, it felt longer, honestly, but well, I don't know. But I mean, I like the, the style, movie. Sure. It's like, it did feel a little, a little bit long. But, but yeah, I, I, I'm eager to see what this director decides to do mm-hmm. next if he goes Hollywood, quote-unquote, and make something more conventional, or if he Probably likes to stick ha- with yeah. having the, the conversations and being reached out to. He's making making three, or making two, probably. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> so am I, am I recalling correctly that Skin of Marink was made for like $10,000 or something? Uh, it's something extremely It is $15,000. Okay, I was close. Mm. So $15,000, it made $2.1 million at the box office. So... It's a I mean, pretty big success mm-hmm, as far as the budget's mm-hmm, concerned. Exactly. And it was a wasn't a wide release. It was mainly And niche. it was also leaked online. And it was leaked online. So All right, you can't be Eli Roth claiming your film's a failure when Hostel 2 gets out there before its uh, theatrical release. So Yeah. Right. So I, I did love Hostel 2, honestly. That's a whole other rant well, I could go on. But <laughs> stay tuned for our Hostel, the whole Hostel series episode <laughs> that we do. We'll talk about all three of them. Say, Let's we, skip the we, third one. <laughs> It's we'll, fine. Be, we'll be within like a 20, 20 year uh, anniversary of uh, the first one here soon, That's aren't we? Hostile. We are oh, past. Or past. wait, no. Wait, not quite. Nope. 2005. Yep. Yeah. Coming so, up. I'm going to feel really old. <laughs> in 2000 or in two years, we'll all meet here and do a hostile episode. How about that? Yeah, that's, I'm <laughs> here um, for it. It'll be great. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's Skinamarink. Check it out if it looks interesting. If it looks boring to you from the little bit that you've seen. I would probably stay away from it, mm. but um, definitely something to check out, um, which is going to lead us into our first featured film. Quasi review. Yeah, we're going to do a little bit more of an, uh, an all hands review on this next one yeah. before we get into our uh, actual featured film. And we're going to talk about Cocaine Bear. Um, so this is uh, the the plot summary is an oddball group of cops, criminals, tourists and teens converge on a Georgia forest where a huge black bear goes on a murderous rampage after unintentionally ingesting cocaine. Um, This is directed by Elizabeth Banks and it stars a bunch of different people. It's kind of a, Mm a a bunch of stories all together, uh, but maybe Carrie Russell, O'Shea Jackson, Ray Liotta, Mm -hmm. uh, Aaron, uh, Alden Ehrenreich. Returning Young from, Han Solo. Yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> guess returning from like movie jail now. Uh, yes. So, <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, I mean, who wants to start with this one? Oh, gosh. Erica, uh, would you like to start? Well, I mean, I have to say that um, this Cocaine Bear was exactly the movie I expected it to be based on the trailer. Like, is I, that a good thing or a bad it, it thing? It is a good thing because I thought the trailer was hysterically funny. Okay. I was just concerned that all of the funny bits would be in the trailer and that the movie itself would be boring by comparison. Fortunately, I was not bored, and the friend that I saw it with was not bored. Um, but it had some, like, um, I don't know, this is maybe a, a minor 
complaint. Uh, the film does have some kind of subversive elements, like mild spoiler, a couple kids do cocaine like just to show how like tough and like the show they have street cred basically i have thoughts about that so do i yeah and it's like they <laughs> i've never done cocaine but this looks like an ungodly huge dose especially for a kid to take let alone an adult and they just like they just take like a whole tablespoon full of you know uh, well they're eating it they're eating it yeah. which i which they do spit it out but it's already in their system yeah, yeah. and and then they don't really seem to have any particular effects from it so uh, i wanted to, I I wanted to talk like... about the drug behavior in this <laughs> film. this was uh this was a, a thing it's that i <laughs> I mean, it's about cocaine. So let's talk about the effects of cocaine on the on the different characters <laughs> that ingest it. I thought that it was poorly done in general when it comes to the ways that people react when they are under, under the influence. Yeah. <laughs> There's basically the two children, one other older character, and then the bear itself – um, all that do cocaine. And I would say that none of them really <laughs> act like they're on cocaine. It, the, the human characters are like perfectly fine yeah. for the most part. Yeah. At one and, point, but the kids, the I was kids, really like, really? The, oh. the only like drug type of thing that you kind of see from the kid is the, the, one of the kids like gets the munchies at one point. I was like, that's not what happens when you do cocaine. And, and so it's, it also was like the bear. Yeah. It's aggressive, which I guess you could maybe put in there with the, with the cocaine, but like sometimes it acted like it had ate marijuana. Sometimes it felt <laughs> like it had ingested like, uh, like mushrooms. <laughs> like it was kind of whatever <laughs> comedy mileage you get from yeah. a drug movie. They just kind of, through it all in as opposed to specifically cocaine. I, I'm although not a drug I, expert I by any like, means. Although as far still. as like the bear's behavior though, I feel okay with that because I don't know how cocaine That's would impact fair. a bear. Where, but I mean, when it, when it comes to the human characters, it, it was like not quite right. <laughs> yeah. It, and especially the children, it's their first yeah. time and they're small kids and they have a lot of it. And none of them, <laughs> They don't get overly like the stereotypical things that you would mm. expect from it. Like, oh, they're really jittery or they're like, like hyper or whatever. No, they seem just normal, except for like the one kid says he has like a tickle in his throat or something or his like, throat right, feels well, funny, be, but nothing yeah, else which, really which, happens. Yeah. Having not like snorted and everything, I attribute that to like the drip that occurs through yeah. uh, normal. Int- anyways. We're not claiming that any of us are experts on the effects on just of, watching other movies about cocaine. But yeah, if Hollywood has taught me any way that people react when they're on drugs, this is not what it is. Uh-huh. Um, which who knows? Yeah, um, Jared, what was your overall well, thoughts on the? I film? mean, yeah, like spoiler alert: the this being like inspired by true events. The real bear spoiler that did alert, uh, it's not. Uh, yeah. No, that's just it. The the real bear that did the cocaine uh, died very shortly thereafter mm-hmm. from a major overdose. So that's how it probably should have reacted, but that's not that's not a movie. And I get it. Like, yeah. okay, you say cocaine bear, and I could see like my friends and I sitting around and just having a blast, like pitching this movie mm-hmm. and just coming up with all these crazy ideas. And it's funny in its concept. And they're definitely this movie keeps going, and it's always like coming up with like more and more things. But uh, yeah, to the, for the most part, this is like where I'm just like. 
The tone is, it's just, it's rambunctious and it's a little all over the place. And it's got this scattershot approach where they're just trying everything. Mm -hmm. And yeah, as far as the kids, I certainly didn't believe them as having done coke. I also didn't believe them as kids um, at all. Like, okay, I've got kids. They are, they are extraordinarily annoying at times. (laughs) These kids were not annoying like real kids are mm-hmm. uh they were like annoying and just like a whole other level where i'm like sorry i i, I know annoying kids and this isn't mm-hmm. it <laughs> but th- what what struck me like right away from the get-go and as you said this is directed by elizabeth banks the movie which takes place in the 80s opens with the song jane by jefferson starship and i'm sorry but like i am a diehard from the moment it was released on video, Wet Hot American, American Summer, Summer Guy. Exactly. And that was my first introduction to Elizabeth Banks. Yes. So here I am knowing it's her movie, and I'm hearing like that like little interlude building up mm-hmm. to like, you know, the big crash. And I'm just like, what are we doing here? Like she's <laughs> kind of aping like one of her own movies in a way. So what I will say when I, I was thinking about that as well is that I was hoping for more like I, I guess I don't know what the what the right term is, but Wet Hot American Summer has a very specific style to it and has kind of an absurdity. Oh, yeah. And not a absurd concept, but just yeah. the way that the cut the different characters react. And I was kind of hoping for more of that oh, from sure. this movie. I thought that they kind of played it a little bit. It sounds silly, but a little bit too straight. Like mm-hmm. it was just yeah. like, oh, it's a bunch of characters and they say, Oh my goodness! There's a cocaine bear, and that's about the extent of all of the all of the interactions. I was hoping for a little bit more structure overall, though, like because I think when you have all these different converging stories, I didn't think they did a great job of building those up. Especially Carrie Russell, in my opinion, I think she was kind of a wet blanket the entire time, <laughs> spoiling um, her kids' uh, coke-addled fueled fun. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> It was just like we need to have a parent here because the years ki- there's kids involved. Um, but like I didn't get a ton from young Han Solo and O'Shea Jackson. Their their chemistry was probably my favorite out of all of it. I mean, I enjoyed kind of like watching them. They like, were the ones I think you spend the most time with. And it could just be that. Like they wore me down. Yeah. And I think you definitely get the craziness from this movie. And so if you're looking for something like that, this is probably a good movie to go see, but it almost felt, and it's better than this, but it almost felt like an asylum movie (laughs) where it's like all title and premise. Right. And then I would have just wanted a little bit more oomph to it. I think the budget was a little bigger than asylum movie, but not much. I mean, okay. I understand they don't have like the reverent money to make a super convincing CGI bear attacking (laughs) people. Uh, But also, like, you know, there's a character who, after getting mauled, drops down from a tree, and it's just like the CGI just, for me, just didn't have any realistic weight. I mean, he hits like an anvil in a way. (laughs) And so, and I'm like, but is that, I don't know if that was intentional. Like, are we going for, like, more of a cartoony effect based on Mm -hmm. this premise? So... It was it was a little bit of a weird read overall where I'm like, I don't want to fault them for maybe not having the most money or were they just going for this or embracing it? I don't know. And that's the tough thing about this movie is that what is the 
what is what are they going for? Right. Like mm-hmm. all of the the pitfalls or whatever you can make from this movie could very well have been intentional. Like it's hard to say when you have a premise that's as ridiculous as this. Um, I am interested to know if this movie holds up. Like if this is something that people will still be like, oh my goodness, like do you remember that movie, like this crazy movie or whatever? Or if it's like such a big kind of flash in the pan right now. I kind of do predict flash in the pan, even though I had a ton of fun with it. Mm. I don't think it's going to be viewed as like a classic. And ultimately, yeah, if you have fun, that's all that really matters. And I think that was Elizabeth Banks' overall intention Mm -hmm. as well. And if you're vibing with it, that's awesome. Uh, Yeah. And my only other thing is, is like right after it establishes it's in the 80s and it's playing that song, it comes up with like a, an on-screen Wikipedia quote, which I'm also like, wait, are we trying to like stay in the time and place you're establishing or are we just going for like a quick joke here, which it is. I don't think they're too concerned about it. They certainly know. <laughs> and I hate that I am like looking at this with like a magnifying glass of any kind. And, and that's the thing. Like we – we can sit here and we can talk about our artsy films and stuff like that. But sometimes you just got to talk about cocaine bear and just say like, you know what? This is a roller coaster movie. I'm not going to think about, I'm just going to enjoy the ride as it it goes. And you know what? It's dedicated to Ray Liotta, his last fully Mm -hmm. completed film. So wild to me that this decorated actor (laughs) like Ray Liotta and his final film, full film. Yeah. Is Right. Cocaine bear. Yeah, I don't yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, the certainly not the integrity in which he dies on screen. Uh spoiler, but uh <laughs> I will say that was funny a little bit that it's oh, yeah. like Ray Liotta dies like in the last I mean the movie wraps up pretty quickly. There's not really so. too much of a like a a post <laughs> type of thing. And then it's just like he dies five minutes later. In memory of Ray Liotta. And it's yep. it was I don't know, I, I thought that was kind of Yes. A silly thing, but I mean, it's like, how can they not dedicate it to him? But at the Obviously. same time, you know, mm-hmm. he uh, yeah. was just eaten by some like powdered sugar covered cubs. And it's things fine. Like that, I mean, so. he did this. He did QB Halloween. It's, yeah, it's fairly yeah. adorable. Yeah. Oh yeah. He he gets. Well, they do cocaine also, right? Yeah, the cubs are hooked on it too. It's <laughs> not going to be good for their development. But, no. Yeah. But hey, everybody ends up fine at the end. All the bears, I mean. Yeah, not so much the people. Some of the, most of the Some people of them, yeah. do, but, but yeah. Um, not, he, not the paramedics, you know. <laughs> I will say the paramedic scene was probably my favorite scene in the movie. I thought that was really well done and really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that really like will stick with me, but we'll see about the other stuff. Yeah, right. Um, anyone else have anything they wanted to say about yeah. Cocaine Bear? There's just not anything really deep yeah. to say about it. I no. just, I just and, had a good yeah. time. That's if it, if it looks fun, it, yep. go see it. It's still in theaters right now. And I'm all for Elizabeth Banks like directing and like mm-hmm. making her presence known behind the camera. So she's always been a hilarious actress. So, yeah. so yeah, best of luck there. Well, I think we can just move on to our featured film tonight, which is Scream Six, mm-hmm. or, or it's uh, yeah, alternate six. title Scree Vi. Scree Vi. Um, <laughs> yeah. So this is a continuation of the last one, which I think is just called Scream. Yeah, it's not I, called Scream uh, yeah, Five. Right? That was a terrible or, or trend. Five Cream. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I know. I think that's kind of how it looks on the poster. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, that, the, the whole trend of just being like the, this like legacy sequel just 
being branded with the same original title. It's the Halloween I don't like thing. It. Yeah, it's I know. too confusing. It is where it's not. It's not a remake. It's a continuation. Then, but do they? Heaven forbid we come up with a new title. Do movies like that retroactively adopt? the the number title though when people it's refer got to, to them because yeah now that they're just like scream five or scream twenty twenty two yeah made a bunch of money and shows that this franchise still has uh blood left in it uh hey. we yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say despite the gallons that pour out of people um yeah I think yeah then they're just like so scream six all right yeah so scream six is Basically, we follow the same characters from the last film, the but we've sisters. We, we've moved to New York City, which it just made me think of like Jason takes well, Manhattan. They they, they 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 tip their hat and they literally show it on screen early oh, on yeah? in the movie. In the, the actual yeah. movie. So yeah, it, no, it's in there. Yeah, no, no. Uh, when when a character returns to his apartment and is looking for his roommate, okay. yes. the movie yes, playing, yes, yes. I recognize that immediately. <laughs> it's while they're still on the boat. And that's... Oh, that's funny. And so, yeah, it's Friday the 13th, Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. <laughs> Obviously, franchises move mm-hmm. to new locations. Mm-hmm. And so it's a knowing wink there. Also, I didn't know if it was like an even like more meta wink, the fact that like... Jason takes Manhattan. Scream Six was like primarily filmed in Canada as well. <laughs> but, you could say that about a lot of movies. Uh, yeah, I was gonna yeah. say Canada's so, been New York stand-in for a while. Yeah, and <laughs> I will say that I something I also enjoyed about this movie, and I know that the meta aspect of all of the Scream movies is obviously very present. They're very aware of the yep. of different movie franchises. I loved all of the the Halloween masks and stuff in this movie, like. Halloween the holiday, not Halloween the movie. Mm-hmm. Although um, Michael Myers masks are in there. Yes, I. it was fun to look at different big scenes that had different – there's the party scene as well as the subway scene mm-hmm. where you see a lot of different people in outfits. I will like to shout out um, one of the main characters is dressed like a character from the movie Murder Party. I, uh, I noticed that. Jeremy I was pointing Sonny. that out to my friend. I'm like, oh, Birch that's film. A, gosh, yeah, Jeremy that Song so fun. That's a great movie. such a great reference to a very underrated, <laughs> little-known movie. I'll I mean, all them, the other ones are pretty Yeah, I'm just, they, they live at Elm Court, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, stuff like that. But you see, like, um, I know there's somebody dressed like the Babadook. There's somebody dressed like the us characters. Yeah, they have, they have they have some like good fun with it, mm-hmm. and it's like those more like if you know you know sort of mm-hmm. things that I appreciate more so than the more obvious things. Yeah, same. Uh, but yeah, um, also this this movie is directed minus one of them by Radio Silence, who also directed the previous film. Um, if you're not familiar with Radio Silence, they're big, uh, bloody disgusting magnet people. They were attached to like the ABC or not the ABC, uh, but the VHS yeah. films, which we have covered to a certain extent. <laughs> they did a segment for Southbound as well. They did. I was gonna say I they also did Southbound, Southbound, which is a very underrated horror mm-hmm. anthology yeah. film. Um, they also were attached to the movie Ready or Not. Oh, they yeah they that was um, their first like standalone feature film. Mm-hmm. It was just the two of them, just the uh, two Matt of them. Bettinelli, Open, and Tyler Gillette. It, yes, okay. and I thoroughly enjoyed that film. Oh, Ready mm-hmm. or Not, I really liked that, that. That was a good one. But it obviously, given the fact that they've worked with a lot of anthology, they're used to 
collaboration and influence from different horror, which I think mm. really lends itself well in a franchise like Scream, where horror knowledge seems to be at the forefront of of them. But um, but yeah, uh, I would say that I enjoyed Scream Six. Uh, I didn't think it was groundbreaking. Um, but I enjoyed the new setting. I did like that even though it took place in New York City, there's only a handful of things that really placed it in New York City. There's a scene in a bodega. Yes. <laughs> and then there's also the bold scene. When yes. And then there's also a scene in the subway, which I mean there are subways yeah. in other cities, but but not like the New York subway. But I, it, it was nice that it didn't rely too much on it, that it was just a new setting. Mm. Um but yeah, I I don't really have a ton to say outside of the spoilers. It's hard to so, discuss. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to get to spoilers yeah. fairly soon. How about soon? we just do f- just quick impressions of the film, Erica? Ah, okay. So, yeah, on the positives for me, uh, like slight spoiler alert, I liked this until I didn't like it. And I didn't like it um, in the third act, so okay. uh, we'll get to that. Um, but I... Um, I would say that, like, in terms of the location and just the whole look of the movie, like, just in a purely visual sense, I, it may be the best Scream movie. Like, the whole urban setting mm-hmm. is just really cool. Hmm. Um, Everything is so confined in the fir- in the other setting because it's essentially a small town mm-hmm. where you get a little bit more scope in this one. Yeah, and I, I also liked, uh, like... Like the subway scene was extremely well done, and the fact that there's like, a, yeah, I think that may have been the um, maybe the the best put together like suspense scene mm-hmm. in the film. Um, and I, I don't know, I, I did like some of the social commentary. I wish they had developed it a bit more. I don't know if we want to get it. Maybe that's more of a spoiler discussion, though. Uh, but yeah, kind of hard to do a spoiler-free discussion of this. It's essentially of any of a these whodunit. Movies, so, right? so yeah, Jared. Uh, my quick impression is Dermot Mulroney after coming out of a crime scene, going, "I can't believe what they said. Let's get this guy." <laughs> the quickest pivot I've uh, ever seen, and have yet to believe of uh, character motivation. But no, for the most part, <laughs> we overall, can talk about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think so, we will be. <laughs> anyways, yeah. This movie flirts with a lot, and as you're alluding to, it's got some like social commentary, and it's got other things going for it, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really follow through with a whole lot, mm. other than just being another screen movie, which, mm-hmm. yeah, after the first one, I'm signed up for all of them, basically. Just like any other franchise that I dearly love, give me all the Halloweens, mm-hmm. give me all the Friday the 13th, Nightmare, you know, Jigsaw, whatever new horror franchise is coming along, I'm probably going to be there for it. Mm-hmm. So. I'm a sucker for these things. Yes. I know, and I yes. usually regret it. Like, the most recent Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, I just... <laughs> when will we learn? I was just going to bring that up. Oh, so That's bad. one of the f- the f- ones more recently that I was, like, very... I'm not going to say I'm super excited for Texas Chainsaw, <laughs> but... That's a series that I actually really enjoy mm-hmm. and and think that there's a lot of fun, gruesome things you can do with it. And that one just it was boring. It, it was, was so, 85 minutes. It felt like four hours. They basically like, yeah, had you guys talked about it even trying it. So yeah, yeah there's like three set pieces and that was it. And we don't need to talk about Texas. Yeah, Chainsaw we Master, don't want to go there. But uh, I say we just get right into spoilers. Yep. Though. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. All right, sounds good. We will listen to the bumper and then get into the spoiler section. Could it really be that simple? Secret lies with Charlotte. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. 
I'm afraid I can't do that. Aren't you asking us to accept a pretty incredible coincidence? I'm just saying a coincidence is possible. And I say it's not possible. Those keys, Rose. You know I can't give you the keys, right, babe? Silent Green is people! The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. And like that, he's gone. Alright, we're back with the spoiler section for Scream 6. I gotta start off like right at the Love top. <laughs> okay. So Scream obviously is known for its like opening deaths and everything. Mm-hmm. And this is where I'm Except like for the last one. That's true. Yes. Spoiler for the I last one. Well, it's it's, it's not a spoiler. It's a spoiler because she's in next, back in this one, the, like Jenna one of Ortega. The main yes. So it's fine. However, <laughs> so for this one, this is where it's we're getting into like some whole like meta world where you have to have I don't know necessarily a deep understanding, but just a lot of film knowledge. So we meet Samara Weaving, the right, heroine out, of or Ready or Not, <laughs> these directors' first main feature film. And I really like Samara Weaving. Uh, her father is the legendary Hugo Weaving. And so anytime she's on screen or anything, I'm, I'm there for it. But it becomes pretty clear early on she's been lined up to be the first victim. And, yeah, she she gets it. She gets killed. And I'm like, okay, so is this, like, the shocking thing? Like, the heroine of their big first movie is the one that dies? I just don't know how much that registers so much with other audiences. I dig it a little bit, mm-hmm. but I think probably more but shocking then, is what happens is that the person who kills her immediately takes off the mask and we see who the killer is. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but not we're not done with this opening uh this opening sequence yet. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, then we're following um Flash from the latest uh Spider-Man movies. I used to give him a zero from Grand Budapest. I, I know. I, I wish I did too, but I'm taking my kids <laughs> through fair. the MCU movies. So yeah. we just watched Spider Man Homecoming. So that's super fresh on my mind. <laughs> and I'm like, see, yeah, Flash wasn't going to go on to anything better. He's <laughs> He was a killer all along. But so, yeah, we find out that he, along with his roommate, have been planning to get out there as Ghostface themselves. And he thinks he's having a conversation with his roommate looking around the apartment for him, not finding him. This is where we see the uh, Friday the 13th reference of Mm -hmm. Part 8. We also see, I don't know if you guys listen to the podcast, We Hate Movies, but (laughs) there's a poster on the wall for that podcast. And I'm like, wow, those guys have got to be flipping out a little bit. I thought there was also one for like last podcast on the left or something. Oh, yeah, maybe. I saw that one. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And, And hey, you know what? These guys, they the one just killed his uh, film stu- film studies professor, played mm-hmm. by Samara Weaving. They're film buffs, so the the lends credibility that they're into mm-hmm. all these things that we see. Um, but yeah, lo and behold, this guy is a, the actual victim. His roommate, his partner, supposed pro- partner in crime, was the first one hacked up in a fridge, and now he gets gutted, and the real ghost face is there kicking the movie off it's interesting that that this happened because yeah when you see who the killer quote unquote who the killer is it's like oh this is an interesting direction yeah. like we're not going to mm-hmm. go into the like the standard oh we're trying to figure out who the killer is it's going to be like we're just going to tell you on the front end and yeah. we're going to play the movie out that way and they're even talking about killing the sisters yep. in the th- so their ultimate plan is still to so you are kind of thrown off that you're like, oh, no, this is the actual killers because mm-hmm. they're talking about the story proper. Little do you know, 
nope, it's going to be the same thing as the other ones where it's <laughs> in, not in a bad way, but yeah. still, um, nope, it is going to be a mystery. We're going to f- try to figure out who this is. And that's definitely one of the things where it flirts with some other ideas and some other concepts and maybe like subverting expectations, mm-hmm. which it kind of does still, but ultimately it's still is a screen movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about who the who the killer is. We get <gasps> triple killers. killers this yeah, time. so that was uh that was a different thing, but Yeah, first time for two has been the most for Yeah. for them. Yeah. Is 3 the only one with one that yep. we were Roman? talking about yeah. this. I think it's okay. two for all of them except for 3 and now this one. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah. Uh did you guess who the who the killers were beforehand? Uh, I mean, the red herring turned out not to be a red herring. The new roommate with, uh, uh, Chad, I think is the character's name. Are you uh, talking about the boyfriend or the actual roommate of? So the, 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 two, the brother and sister. Oh, yes. uh, Quinn and, uh, Ethan were the. Quinn and yeah. Ethan. So spoilers. Yeah. We're in the spoiler section. Yeah. They are the killers as lo- as well as their father. Detective, yeah, for uh, detective. the new roommates for each of the two of the main characters, as well as their father, Dermot Mulroney. Yes. Uh, avenging the death of their sons and brother from the last movie. Jack Quaid. Jack Quaid's Richie. Um, did you but were you surprised by that? Did you catch on to so, it? They like I I definitely noted when Dermot Mulroney comes out of the crime scene, having witnessed his dead daughter's Mm -hmm. body. He says, I lost, you know, just like I lost my son. Now I've lost her, too. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, are we coming back to that? You just drop in. It's going to be important. Drop in, drop in, drop in, hit there. So that stuck out to me. Um, And then I just wasn't buying his like. his reactions and emotions, like uh, that, turning on a dime. I know. Yeah, so, I just thought, are, are they directing him like to act that way, or is right. he just not hitting, you know, the emotional marks the way he should be? But just crazy. Uh, but yeah, I gotta say, oh, yeah, like my my main issue with the big reveal, you know, like the, in the last twenty minutes or so, it, it's not that I didn't, you know, think he was a potentially a good suspect because some of the stuff that goes on it's like yeah like it would definitely be easier for someone with police connections to do this kind of thing so he'd be an obvious suspect so would um kirby who is a returning character from scream four yeah who then for all the... intents and purposes we saw die in four and they just quickly like write that off like oh no she died for four minutes but yeah she came back yeah right and um so i was like well i mean potentially she would have the ability to pull this kind of thing off if she's you know completely cracked psychologically i feel and they they kind of throw her out there as a red herring but yeah i feel like the whole movie just goes to crap in that last you know that last uh the big ghost face reveal because it's like mass off and now we're taking a trip to camp campy because the acting just goes so off the rails (laughs) yeah we were talking about this before you got here is that there's something about taking the ghost face mask off that lets the air out of the bag i guess I mean, obviously, Matthew Lillard is a guy that takes choices. Well, or oh, yeah. he goes over the top. Oh, yeah. For him, general, it works. But he, well, he goes even more at the end of the first one. And then in the last one, um, I need to pull up. Yeah, what everybody's her name is. definitely been trying to like out crazy Matthew Lillard, Stu Maka, mm-hmm. which, you by the way, I am not thrilled with them trying to set up the return of Stu Mocker. Right. With I... the with the the <laughs> reference, I mean, when they're talking like in Stu Mocker, 
uh, they killed Stu Mocker with that TV. Right. And then if, if you uh, believe he's if dead, you believe yeah, he's like dead, kind of thing, right? which I'm like, ah, uh, okay, you can't like throw that out there and then have us be surprised if he shows up in, in this Scream movie or the 7, next one, right? So, and that alludes to the fact that I think Kevin will, uh, Kevin, uh, Williamson. Kevin Williamson originally his third his idea for Scream Three was that Stu Mocker had lived and was orchestrating killings from prison or something along mm-hmm, those lines mm-hmm. that was tossed out and they went in a whole other direction but I don't know yeah uh, anyways yes he set the prototype for um, post reveal craziness mm-hmm. the bar is extraordinarily high or low depending on your viewpoint <laughs> and everybody from Tim Oli- uh, Tim Timothy Oliphant, Oliphant. on has been trying to do do that justice or top it. I will say Mikey Madison from the last film does a pretty good job. The she I also loved her in uh, Once, Once Upon, Upon a, a Time, Time in Hollywood, Hollywood, which she meets the exact same demise I was in both, say, both films. She, yeah. she briefly she, had a little run of Hollywood's go-to, let's see how messed up we can like kill this woman. <laughs> I saw uh I saw a meme when the last one came out and it was like Mikey Madison reading the script and it was like character dies by getting lit on fire. fire. And it was like, <laughs> I'm in or something like that. Um, but she, she does a good job of doing the crazy over the top mm-hmm. thing. And then I think really all three of them in this go, I would say the brother probably is the one that's the most animated, but you could, it's, it's debatable. So... Um, but I, I just I, like makes yeah. me mad. <laughs> I, I would say Lexi and I called the the Quinn and the the uh, detective like right at the beginning of the movie. Just the way it was laying out, it kind of felt like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've learned from these movies: if you don't see someone actually die, you don't see the yeah, I, the, that the kind knife of... going into someone, mm-hmm. then I'm gonna be automatically suspicious. So when the, Quinn yeah, quote unquote dies, she just falls out of her room and she's got like cut marks on her, but we don't actually see her get stabbed or anything mm-hmm. like that. And I was like, okay. some of the, you know, these are some of like the worst killers as far as going after main characters. Like there, there's a high body cam, but nobody of importance really dies. The five, yeah. the four main kids or whatever you want to core call four, them. Core they call four, they call them. They all live. Yeah. Despite uh, uh, Ethan repeatedly Getting just stabbed. That dude like, gets stabbed like twenty five times. Look, and people don't like. Yeah, they don't know how to like. Apparently, uh, if you don't stab people in the head, heart, or throat, you don't die. Because even, even then, Kirby, in this movie, maybe yeah. you don't die. Because <laughs> Kirby, I mean, you know, how many people got stabbed in the stomach? Like Kirby and, gets stabbed right in the same place she was stabbed in four. Oh yeah, and then and uh, with, Chad was like a human pincushion. Like, oh sorry, just, yeah, Chad. That's yeah, what yeah, I was yeah, yeah, yeah. talking uh, about. They like just double exactly him, like repeatedly, and it's like he's not and living through this. Like Gail, as as well as Chad's sister Minnie, all taking excessive stabbings mm-hmm. deep stabbings mm-hmm. and so this movie also would lead you to believe that yeah you know stabbings like that you'll you'll be fine you know there's no permanent damage or you know being stabbed in the shoulder won't like possibly Mess up kill your arm you or forever. yeah yeah <laughs> so this is a, a decent transition when we talk about um him getting stabbed getting chad getting stabbed a bunch of times is uh, a 
a big thing that I had a problem with in this film is the usage of time mm. in it as well. There were multiple scenes where it would be like a certain time of day and then an event would happen and then the next next scene next it's scene, like dusk. it would be the di- it would be the completely different yeah. thing. So like for example, uh, in the first scene they're getting inter- or they get a call from Dermot Mulrooney you see the phone. It says like 9.45 p.m. And then they go to the police station and then they come out of the police station and it's like 12 o'clock in the – or like in the <laughs> – or like 11 a.m. or something like that. It's like super bright outside. Now, I know interrogations. They can take a long time. <laughs> but it was like 14 hours later or something like that. Right. And, and then, if they're not in custody, that's too long to be keeping right. someone voluntary. Yeah. That's and like – Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, and then you see a similar thing in the scene where um, Dermot Mulrooney's daughter dies, where they're at a house eating dinner at when Ghostface mm-hmm. um, attacks, I guess, and they have the scene where they have to crawl across on the ladder, which I thought was a pretty suspenseful, mm-hmm. <laughs> suspenseful scene. But then the the girlfriend of one of the characters dies, and then it cuts to the police investigation, and it's like nine in the morning or something like that. And I was like, did the police just get here? Like what's going on with that? <laughs> it the, is a yeah, busy the, city. The know? most yes, frustrating example of that for me though, is Gail is Gail uh-huh. because they're I like, was, they're was trying to like this. bait ghost face out in broad daylight. It's like 3 PM yeah, or something. Like they that. learn like, uh Oh, he's not here. He's, you know, up in the uh, upper West side or wherever. And they know that's where Gail lives. And then mm-hmm. like, we even see Gail, like, at that time, like in the middle of the day, and then we like cut back, and they're like, "We gotta go," and then we cut back to Gail. It's now nighttime. Night. And it's nighttime, <laughs> and we don't and we don't see like Samantha, the main character, calling until shortly before the attack. Mm-hmm. And it's like has three or four hours. How I know it takes a long time. Takes to a long drive time to drive New York in. City, but yeah, they're in a cop car. They can why probably is, throw. Why, the why are they not calling her sooner as well? Yeah, that was the last well, she, one. She did like I was going to bring up. Well, I that's think, just but, it. But yeah. that's when it's already dark out. It's dark. It's already dark outside. I will also say, <sighs> why does Gail have a house phone? That's also a weird thing. True. True. And Ghostface has his ringer on. Yeah. <laughs> she like star <laughs> sixty seven. That, that or whole something like that. That whole scene. Uh, there's so <laughs> Dude, many choices made on both sides. Yeah. Where like. Gail, I'm sorry, this is your sixth go around and you're making some of the stupidest decisions yep. in these, you know, situations. Mm-hmm. I, you know, if she actually would have died, I would have been bummed. I would have been like, you should have known better. So, yeah. Um, especially having a landline phone that's not cut that you could <laughs> call from when you're safely in a room rather than exiting said room. Yeah. I, there's just a lot of, I mean, and it, this is a play on horror films mm-hmm. and the way that they use tropes, but you would think by this go around, some of these characters would be, they would know better. I will say no Nev Campbell in this film, which mm-hmm. is a little bit unfortunate, but yeah. I do okay understand. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but now they can. Now they've really got the money to lure her back. With. Now exactly, but now she is going to be. I think would it be. Uh, Courtney Cox now has been in all of them and is mm-hmm. the only mm-hmm. actor that's been in all of them now. Yeah. But we'll see if she somehow comes back in the next one. We'll yeah. see. <laughs> yeah. And and as as we've like talked about, I mean the character of Minnie, she is very much 
she's literally related to uh, Jamie Kennedy's Randy character, mm -hmm. the movie buff from like the first uh, first couple of movies. And so she is now the one who like lays out and establishes. And we get the whole like we are now in a franchise, rules yeah, of a franchise, that like whole thing. I that did not work for me in I this one. I thought it seemed just too obligatory. Uh, yeah. It it didn't it didn't yeah. really capture the fun or the humor that when yeah. you know it was done earlier and <clears throat> earlier entries, I should say. It also felt way <coughs> more performative. Yep. Yeah. Where she was like giving a monologue and like doing a scene quote unquote where Jamie Kennedy is just like talking about movies. I know. I thought it's it, so it much felt more so from much him. natural yeah. mm -hmm. and she just feels like this is the part where I go and I talk about what what mm -hmm. a franchise is like and yeah. da, da 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 and I was like I'm not buying this. Um I did really like Chad though. I thought he yeah. was yeah. a nice kind of comedy relief. Well, and that's bit. just it. It's like, and with him surviving all the stabbings again, you know, and and as we said, this is a play of tropes. It's a, and they reference the fact that this is like stab two, aka mm -hmm. scream two, where it's at college. All these things happen, and I guess he's now like the Dewey character, where mm -hmm. gets stabbed multiple times but still lives. So I there mean, he is did end up that. dying though. So we'll see if this also happens with him. Yeah, but he's. I mean, at this rate, he's got three more movies to live through, or maybe like extend that streak <laughs> to four. We'll so. we'll see about that. I will. I will say. Um, I did not know this until I looked up the film. That's Cuba Gooding Jr.'s son. What? By the way, really? Yeah. Uh, wow. Mason Gooding is his name. Um, but yeah, it's Cuba Gooding Jr.'s son. Hmm. Man, and I wasn't going to mention anything about O'Shea Jackson. And Cocaine Bear, be nice Cube's son, but here we are with Cuba Goodings. There son. you go. Um, but yeah, I mean, is there really any other things that we need to talk about with this? Um, I, I guess we haven't talked about the other red herring of the new boyfriend. Yeah, um, but he was just, I don't know, for me he, he was, was such a... a nothing. Yeah, exactly. He was, a, he, he was a big sandwich of nothing. He was I, just so. never a, a good suspect. I, I would, never thought I would go so far to say, though, that the brother was also a big sandwich of nothing <laughs> until he was the killer. <laughs> I was, was like, why is this character even here? Like, and they then, just make yeah. some jokes about him being, like, a nerd or an incel, and then, like, nothing comes of it. And it's then like, they basically oh, okay. allude that he, or they assume that he's the killer, and then he ends up being the yeah. killer. I also yeah. think physically, like, he's not a big guy like i don't see him filling out the whole ghost face costume in this imposing manner of but that was also a problem in scream five when they reveal the, the one female killer yeah. like she's teeny tiny it's like she's not gonna and i think she take does she is she the one that takes credit for killing dewey yeah and it's like there's no way there's, you rewatch well, that scene it's like no that's not gonna i work. will say dewey does overpower yeah yeah and then it's only because gail calls him that that they get that Ghostface gets the other. I will say though is that um, is that Gale has a new boyfriend, mm -hmm. and I'm like, who <coughs> is throwing this grown man around? I got to believe that's Dermot Mulroney. Although but Dermot, how did he even yeah, get he there? Was, out there. He's like across right? town, and he doesn't have his cop car now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, that's the only one that really makes sense no. because I think the brother. Is he he's in the van with them? I want to say I'd have to see it again, and I probably will. But it's, it's basically yeah. implied, unless Dermot Mulrooney somehow got across town before the other girls who are driving <laughs> in a cop car get there. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, so lo logic and logistics aside, of which could be full hour discussions, what all do you think of like this? Uh, 
continued thread of like, will she or won't she with Samantha Carpenter? Like with her having these asides with her dead father, Billy Loomis, Mm -hmm. Skeet Ulrich. I mean, we're getting into, you know, Tommy Jarvis and, you know, Jamie uh, from Halloween 4 territory of like assuming the mantle of like, you're born into this. This is who you are territory. I'm kind of hoping for the next one that the killer is someone that we already know. That, that would be cool. Like, like I was kind of hoping that I had Hayden brief... Panettiere was the killer, just so it was like this person was a good character in one movie, and now they're a bad character. And that would at least be different instead of like, we're going to introduce this new character, and they're the killer type <clears throat> yep. of thing. I had a brief thought for like five seconds that made me so happy while watching this movie when, you know, they reference Sydney. You know, Gail <laughs> says like, I talked to Sydney, and it's mm. like this showstopper. But we won't see her. Anyways, I was like, okay, there was a lot of like hubbub in the press made about the fact that Nev Campbell had to walk away from this franchise because she wasn't getting the money she, you know, rightfully deserved. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're coming into like part six of a franchise, Mm -hmm. there is money continually Mm -hmm. being made. And if you're the, uh, you know, successive star of all of these, then, yeah, you're probably do something. So anyways, I was like, what if that was all a ploy to like reassure fans she wasn't in this? And then at the very end, reveal that no, now this time it's Sydney. She's just snapped. She's lost it, and she's the killer. That's <laughs> not that, that, that it would I would be okay step. with that. that right? would I was gonna say, decision. oh yeah, I'm not sure people would buy it, but the mind blowing effect that would have on people <laughs> just like fully expecting not to see Sydney, let alone be the killer. I'm like, you know, people you would hate that probably, but I would respect <laughs> it so much. Yeah, if they just, just to. the guts of doing that would be impressive. The blood and guts. Yes. yes. Um, yeah. So no, I don't know if it would necessarily rebound from that, but I mean, otherwise, yeah, we get, you know, we get the ending that we got, where it's mm-hmm. like this reveal, this connection, seemingly to other people or events or whatever, <clears throat> and you know, you either go for that. That third actor, you know, <laughs> but you're probably going to show up for the first act of the next one. There you go. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think ultimately we're all kind of talking <coughs> where we me. all had things that we enjoyed about mm-hmm. this film, but also it's not a perfect film. It's not the not. best one in the franchise by any means. But as long as you're having a good time, I think it carries the mantle of. Yeah. Of this franchise. Are, well, overall, are the, are the both of you able to rank? The screen films, because um, I've thought a about this. Difficult, yeah. um, but I mean, I, I'd have to. I prefer. I, I like Scream Two the best. Nice. Then Scream. Nice. Ooh, I like that. Okay. Uh, scream One. I, scream I've been five. seeing that more often actually. Scream People saying Scream three. Two is the best. Yeah, and then yeah. Um, I don't know. For me, like six and four are neck and neck for being like my lowest ranked. Interesting. Ones. So I would go. One, I I do like the first one the best. Mm-hmm. I'd go one, two, I think I would say five, mm-hmm. five, and then I actually like four a little bit more. So four and six there, and I think three is my least favorite one. Okay, okay. What about you? Yeah, no, the original for me is always there, and I revisit it like annually. But mm-hmm. I also really dig two. Like I never got. Not that it was ever hated. Like, it still got reviewed pretty well, but I feel like fans, for the most part, uh, were slightly dismissive of it or deride it more than I think it deserves. I think <laughs> 2 is fantastic, mm-hmm. and I really love it. Then there's a big step down, but I think I'm going to 5 next. Mm-hmm. And then 
kind of gets into like toss up territory depending on like what I'm judging it on. Yeah. Three feels the most different and out of step with everything that's come before. I think that's why I rank mm. it where I do. And that was written by Aaron Kruger and the uh, you know previously written draft or treatment or outline by Kevin Williamson that was discarded and I just didn't like that direction. It didn't feel like and it try, does try to like retcon a lot of yeah. stuff mm-hmm. that came before and I don't always appreciate that. That but it still looked really good, whereas four is probably like better in tone. I thought the cinematography was a steep drop off there. So I don't know. I'd probably go one, two, five, maybe six, four, three. So I think that's respectable. I think <laughs> that's probably actually what yeah, what mine is. But I think we're in consensus that one, two, five are the three bet not necessarily in that order, mm-hmm. but those are the top. The yeah, three. six. I I guess you know I'm just surprised at like how much people are loving it, and I don't I don't take that away because again I'll be there for part seven, which same, same. inevitably will, will come. Too. But it it is right now like on IMDb like the user ratings, it's so much higher than everything else huh. except for Scream One. Interesting. Yeah, I, I just feel like there's so many. Like plot holes that yeah. like people have pointed out who've seen it multiple times. Like I've only seen it the one time, but it's like, well, yeah, when you put it that way, that's pretty sloppy writing. And then like the plot armor element of people taking these terrible wounds, like we mentioned, then yeah. some of them are actually getting up and functioning. Yeah, I know. And it's Giving like it no, right back this to would them. never this would never it's happen. It's almost like when someone does drugs and then they don't act like they're on drugs. No. <laughs> <laughs> Call back. No. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> I will say one thing we didn't really mention in terms of the social commentary. Like, I feel like all of the screen films have some, el- you know, clever element of social yeah. commentary. This one did too. I kind of wish they had developed some of the ideas a little bit more, but they kind of get in the idea of like people now aren't so into purely fictional horror movies. They're into true crime mm-hmm. podcasts and limited series. And then there's that whole phenomenon of murderabilia collections and yeah, I don't know uh, how I bought the Hollywood Homicide Museum so much, but it's it's fascinating. There, <laughs> there was like a Hollywood's. Uh, I think they ended up moving to a different city, but there was a, a museum in Hollywood called uh, the Museum of Death that had like uh, serial wow. killer possessions, like John Wayne Gacy paintings, stuff by Charles Manson, and sure, I could yeah. understand like artifacts coming right, from right. Certain, but they, here where they have where like they just literally have this... like the clothes people were killed in, the weapons <clears throat> killed well, that, people. That's well, one of those clues though. where it's like someone. I, I was gonna say that some... seemed like an easy write off, like yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, where they're like, a... oh, cops like money. It's I like, think... well, I mean, yeah, that could be an explanation, but it could just be that they collected yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah, it's like everything. I think the. That's a plot point in Jigsaw. I don't know how familiar. Oh God! Oh, I've with seen. Jigsaw. Yeah. I've seen it. Yeah. I think there's also a character that. that's like a super fan that has like a secret lair yeah. with yeah. all of the memorabilia. Uh, um, I don't know. I haven't Saw seen, haven't is seen Lexi and I's it. horror franchise. Nice. So we are. I would call us experts. <laughs> but I, I saw Spiral on a plane. So I caught up. I've caught up with the most recent one. <clears throat> but but yeah. Um, but yeah. This is Scream 6. I think that's pretty much it for this one. Check it out. Um, Still in theaters. We all seem to enjoy it. Um, But yeah, uh, 
I don't think we've decided on what our next film. We have to kind of look at the calendar. I was gonna say there's. So you yeah, were what, saying what a couple our, things. What will our next film be, and why will it be the new Evil Dead movie? Ooh, I know Evil Dead Rises. <laughs> uh, we are in the midst as of this recording with like South by Southwest wrapping up, and I just see the headlines and like. I've always wanted to go to South by Southwest because there's just a different vibe down there mm-hmm. that audiences have to movies. Whether that translates to mass audiences everywhere, that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, snakes on a plane really didn't happen. <laughs> but, yeah, Evil Dead Rises. We're actually doing a Mario Brothers movie. I'm sure, <laughs> You'll yeah, probably I'm sure see it. I will see it. <laughs> no. I, um, I think that's a good choice, but we will yeah. have to discuss it. So definitely, as yeah. I say, I've definitely watched all the Evil Dead movies, including the remake, a same, couple of same. times. So also, mm-hmm. Bo is Afraid comes out. That yeah, the day, new Ari Aster. Yeah, one. and that's his third. Yeah, we so. yeah, discussed I am, that. Too. I am intrigued. Maybe for we'll that talk one. about both. Who Maybe knows? we could have Bo on this podcast to talk for... about hey, Bo, Bo is Afraid. Yeah. If you're listening to this, do you want to come on to do a Bo is Afraid po- podcast? <laughs> there you go. We'll, we'll tempt you in. Gauntlet thrown down. Uh, but yeah, that's our discussion on a bunch of different stuff. And uh, next time, we'll see you at the movies. This episode was recorded in the studios of KZUM 89.3 FM in Lincoln, Nebraska. You can find out more about KZUM and listen to more episodes of Cinema Roundtable by visiting kzum.org. Our theme music was composed by Joshua Spaulding.